KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. It's morning rush hour, and I'm boarding the 225 bus at a stop near the 805 freeway in Chula Vista. And I'm not traveling alone. My name's Karen Jewell. I'm a project corridor director for Central Corridors for Caltrans. Karen is part of an entourage of engineers accompanying me on this journey. She's worked for Caltrans for more than 33 years. So um, in high school, I liked math. And everyone said, oh, you want to be an engineer then. Karen oversees several of the agency's big capital projects, including the one we're checking out today, the Bus on Shoulder Pilot Project. The idea is to let buses drive on the shoulder of the 805. That way they can bypass rush hour traffic and give transit riders a faster and more reliable commute to downtown from the Mexican border crossing and the South Bay suburbs. So the idea of Bus on Shoulder is not new at all. What's different about this project is the technology side of it, trying to uh, talk with the ramp meters so that when the bus comes along the shoulder, the ramp meter goes to red, and then the bus can cross that on-ramp. Um, and then, as well as the technology that's on the bus, right? So it's got the forward collision, it's got blind spot warnings, and it's got lane control to make sure that they stay in the lanes. This morning, however, Karen got some bad news. The sensors at the freeway on-ramps aren't working. So the few dozen bus passengers will be sitting in the same freeway traffic as everyone else. This ends up happening a lot. Sometimes there's a crash on the shoulder that prevents the bus from using it. Or maybe the bus can't even get to the shoulder because drivers won't let it move across four lanes of traffic. I ask Karen why Caltrans can't just take away some space from cars and rearrange all of the lanes so the bus always has a clear path. You know, that hasn't really, we haven't thought of that. The only thing that you do have to worry about is how do you enforce it? How do you manage it? Uh, there, there could be some other issues, but that's something that would be an interesting idea to look at. From KPBS in San Diego, this is Freeway Exit. I'm Andrew Bowen. The Bus on Shoulder pilot project is one example of how Caltrans is trying to reverse engineer the freeway. So they serve more than just cars. But after that bus ride, I kept asking myself, is this the best we can do? Is the shoulder, the leftovers of the freeway, the only part we're willing to reimagine? Or are we capable of something bigger? As you learned in the last episode, San Francisco's experience with freeway removal has been a big success. I've spent months trying to figure out if San Diego would ever try and replicate that success and say yes to removing a freeway. Turns out, it already has. The San Diego City Council and the mayor unanimously supported removing part of a freeway and building a neighborhood in its place. find out where and why the project hasn't happened yet after a short break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. What is it? Tell me what this looks like here. So this is uh, the slope of the eastbound to southbound connector to get on to 805. I'm back with Caltrans engineer Karen Jewell. She's showing me around a fenced-off area right next to the 805 on-ramp at 43rd Street. And we're, look, we're below the freeway level, probably a good 15, 20 feet. Native grasses are growing right now, especially since all the recent rains. Um, there's uh, some landscaping of uh, palm trees. If you've ever gotten on or off the freeway here, you've probably noticed it's a little weird. It's way longer than most on-ramps. And it's really, really tall. Tall as a skyscraper at its highest point. This one, you can tell it was definitely planned to be a freeway with how high the, uh, the connectors were built. It was meant to have you know, some, a, a lot of different layers going on. The on and off ramps at 43rd Street were built in 1975. At the time, Caltrans hoped they would connect to a new freeway, Highway 252. We talked about this story back in Episode 3, but here's a brief recap. Caltrans wanted to build the 252 through the neighborhood of Southcrest. But the community revolted, and after more than 15 years of sustained opposition, Caltrans was forced to abandon it. The 66 acres that would have become the freeway were redeveloped into housing, parks, an elementary school, and a shopping center. But the massively overbuilt interchange with the 805 remained. Fast forward to 2015. The San Diego Planning Department was updating the Southeastern San Diego Community Plan. And it decided this weird little mistake of history needed correcting. So it rezoned the interchange for housing, a small park, and a boulevard going down the middle. There was a footnote saying the land belonged to Caltrans and more detailed planning would be necessary. But the idea won unanimous approval from the city council, including now Mayor Todd Gloria. Usually the uh, local agencies would contact us to say of their interest, and then we start a negotiation of how we can get a project moving forward in that respect. Karen wasn't in charge of this area back in 2015, but she knows the conversation between the city and Caltrans about repurposing this interchange never went very far. Caltrans is open to the idea. It's even launching its own program to fund freeway to boulevard conversion projects. But in this case, Caltrans is not inclined to take the lead. Those super tall connectors that carry traffic from the neighborhood to the freeway would have to be demolished. That costs money, right? I mean, that's really what it kind of comes down to is, is the local agencies and us, and it's also National City because the border is right here. Having three agencies coming together to, to figure out how we could fund a project to move forward. If the 252 interchange ever comes down, it'll probably be a while. Even if San Diego, National City, and Caltrans can all agree on the details, the environmental impact report alone would take at least three years. Longer if there's a lawsuit, which there probably would be. 
And Karen's best guess on the construction costs? At least $60 million. Removing a freeway, even just an on and off ramp, is a pretty radical way to reconnect the communities on either side. While there is a high-level plan to remove the 252 interchange, no one I've spoken with in city government has ever heard anything about it. For now, it's just buried in a planning document gathering dust. But there is another project that's just getting started. Hola, comunidad, ¿cómo están? <laughs> Today is a great day, y'all. Um, Boston Avenue Park is a great win for our community, a hard-fought win, and uh, we are celebrating! Julie Corrales is taking the stage at the groundbreaking for Boston Avenue Linear Park. Caltrans is building it right next to I-5. This area is called out as potential park space in the 1978 community plan. That's, I mean, and you know people were asking for it before then, for it to get into the plan. The atmosphere at the groundbreaking is electric. After decades of advocacy, Barrio Logan was finally getting back a small piece of their community that was taken from them when Caltrans built I-5 here in the early 60s. We met Julie back in episode one. She's a community organizer from Barrio Logan who works for the Environmental Health Coalition. I ask her what part of this future park she's most excited about. Oh, the water play. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm really pushing for it. It's, you know, every time we present it, we get a little like, oh, I don't know, that's kind of hard. And my response is, you know, the county did it <laughs> at the county building and we can do it. And um, there's parks that have it north of the eight. So why not here? Um, we are at a very high risk of urban heat island. Um, it's how climate change will impact us the most. Um, and we need to start thinking about that, right? Where can people get cool? Our kids deserve water play, you know? We don't have pools in our backyards over here. Um, so I'm, I'm most excited about that. And when, you, when the kids see those pictures, their little faces light up. And I just can't, can't wait. If it's, you know, 2029 or whatever, I can't wait to sit there and see all the kids play in the water. Yeah. My grandbabies, maybe. Julie gives me some sad news about the project, too. Caltrans ran some tests on the soil here. Turns out, it's contaminated with lead. Dealing with that problem will cut into the budget. So the scope of the project has been scaled back. That dream of a water park here is a long way off. I also have some sad news for Julie. In episode one, she said her long-term vision is for the park to extend as a lid over the freeway. Well, San Diego sought funding for a feasibility study for that project from the Reconnecting Communities Pilot Program, which was created by the Biden Infrastructure Law. Its purpose is to fund projects that undo the harm caused by freeways in disadvantaged communities. The first round of funding awards had just been announced. And this project in Barrio Logan wasn't on the list. I'm so sad about that. I'm going to have to mull that over. But, um, but I'm glad some city did. I'm glad some Barrio Logan out there is getting to start their studies and their work on how to reconnect their community. It's happening. And I think, you know, we talked before, we talked about how, like, I know that this work is gonna outlive me. Like I know that future generations will come and 
continue the work that I've been doing like I came and continued the work that other folks have been doing. So part of that's expected. Um, and I just want to do my part while I'm here. And uh, I believe in reincarnation, so maybe I'll, one day I'll reincarnate and just see it all, like come back and land in like this utopia we all created, right? You'll be, you'll be a butterfly, a monarch butterfly that's eating the natural milkweed that we've planted. Yes, exactly. You know, that type of thing. Freeway lids can be a great way to reconnect a divided community. And there's a lot of support for them in San Diego, probably because they don't require any sacrifice from drivers. But these projects are extraordinarily expensive, up to a billion dollars in some cases. The damage and disconnection caused by freeways across the country is immense. And frankly, lids are not a scalable solution. Coming up, San Diego tries out a faster, cheaper, and less permanent way to reimagine our freeways. Stay tuned. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. My name is Mr. Kevin. Everyone say hi, Mr. Kevin. That was great. Who wants to ride bikes? It's a beautiful, sunny spring morning in San Diego, and a few hundred people are gathering at a park in the Mount Hope neighborhood. They're getting ready for a group bike ride. Mr. Kevin is giving out some safety pointers. If your wheel gets into the grate, you will fall. Stay off of the shoulder, stay in the lanes of traffic. Everyone say, I understand. I understand. Perfect. This bike ride is special. Caltrans is closing down a section of the SR-15 freeway to do some road maintenance. And for the first time ever, they're making an event out of it. They're opening the freeway for biking and walking. Okay, we are riding onto the off-ramp of State Route 15. I'm here with Brer Marsh, who you met in episode one. He's the architect with the crazy idea that the 163 freeway in Balboa Park should be closed to cars and turned back into parkland. The seed for that idea was planted nine years ago when he managed to sneak onto the 163 while it was closed for maintenance. Does this bring back memories of when you were on the 163 at all? <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time I've been in a free, on a freeway without a car. Hi. Morning. Here on the 15, we pass by hundreds of people, toddlers, seniors, and everyone in between, all with massive smiles on their faces. Families are picking up trash together. Kids are biking around, squealing with excitement. Everyone seems totally blown away by this experience, including me. I've driven on this freeway countless times, but I've only seen it through the windshield. Just standing here, and taking it all in. 
the thing that strikes me the most is the quiet. I'm just struck by (laughs) hearing the birds chirping on a freeway. Like, you would never hear that if you were standing here with all of the cars driving by. No, and this is like the visceral experience of our urban and natural environment that, you know, massive car infrastructure drowns out. Breyer may have had something to do with inspiring this event. He and a friend had a meeting with Caltrans not long ago, and they discussed doing a special event like this on the 163 in Balboa Park. Close it for just one day, even just a few hours, and open it up for biking and walking. The response was really positive, and they were really keen on the idea of engaging the community in a positive way about this space and about this infrastructure. The impact it's had on neighborhoods and cities is something they're aware of. And so trying to improve the relationship with the communities that they pass through is important. This is all my, like, you know, interpretation. When I heard the news about this event, I I kind of smiled to myself when I called my friend. I said, did you see the news on this event? A few weeks ago, I had the chance to ask Mayor Todd Gloria what he thinks about the idea of closing the 163 and returning the space to Balboa Park. He was lukewarm on it, didn't see it as realistic. And he brought up the fact that this section of the 163 has been designated a historic landmark. He thinks that could complicate making any changes to the freeway. But Brer doesn't buy it. Any preservationist will tell you that if you actually want to truly preserve it, you need to get cars off of it. So if they're talking about preserving it, right, are they preserving the experience or are they preserving the physical infrastructure? And if the argument is we're preserving the experience, then I would say that that experience would be more meaningful and more important to the city and the neighborhood if it didn't have 15,000 cars a day, 100,000 cars a day traveling through it. I don't know what the number is, but it's enough to make it unpleasant. I looked into it. Our best estimate is about 118,000 cars per day. Rare is still hoping Caltrans will do another temporary freeway closure event on the 163. That freeway is already surrounded every day by pedestrians visiting Balboa Park. Maybe they'd stumble upon the closed freeway and check it out spontaneously. And just like the time he got to see the 163 with no cars on it, maybe those people will also start seeing freeways in a different light. I want people to to see the value of this space and what we've given up. And through that, feeling that they have ownership over it and that they can perhaps have a little more control over that part of their environment, which has been reallocated to some other use, right? Traffic. If people can use it, even just occasionally, maybe they'll start to care about it more and maybe they'll start to recognize that this space has value and and it's a place that they want to be and they want to experience as pedestrians or in bikes or running. So I think the power of taking back a space, even if just for a moment, is undeniable. The debate over the future of our freeways is very much ongoing. San Diego County's Transportation Planning Agency, SANDAG, 
is just beginning the work of developing its next plan for how we'll get around in the future. And the reality of just how much work we have to do to reach net zero emissions and how little time we have to do it is beginning to sink in. Freeway expansions that have been planned for decades could be on the chopping block. And deeply polarizing policies like lane reductions or tolling or otherwise making it more expensive to drive might be unavoidable. At the same time, many of our freeways are approaching the end of their useful life. California just had one of the rainiest winters on record, and a lot of freeways were pretty severely damaged. The 78 freeway in North San Diego County experienced sinkholes. Parts of it were closed for almost two months, and people were pissed about it. But this kind of extreme weather and these extremely expensive and disruptive emergency repair jobs will only get more frequent as we continue to burn fossil fuels and the climate continues to change. Even if we don't want to decommission any freeways, there may come a day, like there came for San Francisco, when Mother Nature does it for us. For most of our freeways, there's no direct charge you have to pay in order to use them. But that doesn't mean they're free. There are lots of people who never drive on freeways and are still paying a price for their existence. Regardless of how you feel about cars or freeways, I hope you agree we all deserve a fairer system. A system that's more sustainable and more resilient to the effects of climate change. We need to be honest with ourselves about how much that future is going to cost and what we might have to sacrifice in order to pay for it. Thank you so much for listening to the first six episodes of Freeway Exit. We won't be dropping new episodes on a weekly basis anymore, but we will be keeping the podcast feed alive and switching up the format a bit. So if you haven't already, hit that follow button so you know you'll never miss an episode. One last thing, I wanna hear from you. Did you love the podcast? Hate it? Do you want longer episodes, shorter? Maybe you have your own story about how freeways have impacted your life. Send me an email or voice memo to freewayexit at kpbs.org. And if you're in San Diego, we're going to be holding an event on June 10th to talk about this podcast and the future of transportation here. Go to kpbs.org slash freewayexit to RSVP and learn more. Freeway Exit is produced by me, Andrew Bowen, and edited by David Washburn with support from Claire Tregesser and Elizabeth Hames. Mix and sound design by Emily Jankowski. If you like this podcast and want to spread the word, tell your friends about it. You can also help more people find it by leaving us a rating and review. And you can support this work by making a donation at kpbs.org. Thanks for listening.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.